the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before this all occurs, they will arrest you and prosecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought out before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever had the experience while maybe reading the news or watching the news that it's just so much bad news that you have to turn it off, that you just have to remove yourself from it, you have to, to shut it out? I'm sure... We've all been there from time to time in our lives. But sometimes, you see, that, that experience is one that I actually go seeking out. And the word for that is called doom scrolling, okay? And it's a way to pass one's time by just engaging in news, no matter how negative, no matter how depressing or sad or, or frustrating it may be, we just can't step away from it. And so what do we do? We keep going, we keep scrolling, we keep reading through it all. And studies have shown that at the height of the pandemic, people reported that they were doom scrolling at astounding rates, more than they'd ever done before. And what we've come to understand is that this experience of subjecting ourselves to negative news over and over and over not only has negative impacts and effects on our mental health, but also on our physical well-being. And while the phrase or the idea or the concept of doom scrolling may be new in our nomenclature. Clearly, it has a long and rich history because I couldn't help but think of it as I read our gospel here this day. A gospel that could be described as a doom scroller's delight. Jesus asked a very simple question, my, look at how beautiful this temple is, responds with a bit of doom scrolling. Doom scrolling that is hard for me to not resonate with, doom scrolling that's hard for me to not throw myself into. And being asked about how beautiful the temple is, Jesus says, yeah, it's beautiful, but guess what? Pretty soon not one stone will be left upon stone. 
a response that in his day would have been absolutely unfathomable. How could this beautiful building fall down? How could it be destroyed? The same sorts of responses I know I and we had at the falling of the towers on 9-11. How could this happen? He speaks of wars and insurrections, like maybe the war that we've been hearing so much about in Ukraine or, or the insurrection that occurred at our own capital. He speaks of natural disasters, the likes of which are still resonating today, earthquakes in India or hurricanes that continue to batter our southern and eastern states. He speaks of famine, famine like the famine currently unfolding in, in eastern Africa due to extended periods of drought, or famine artificially created as a result of war in Ukraine. Then he ends with the one we're all far too familiar with, plagues. We don't need to get into plagues right now, okay? I'd rather put it behind me, but we see where we're going. It's, it's hard for me, some 2,000 or so years later, to read this gospel and not doom scroll through it, not lay it over my own experiences or our shared experiences and say, yep, this is us. Because each one down the line we can put ourselves into, we resonate with. But I think there's two things I want to encourage us today. The first thing is that this is a good reminder that the suffering that we see around us, the things in the news that cause our hearts to drop, aren't necessarily new. For better or for worse, these are things that have plagued humanity for 2,000 and more years, and they still happen yet today. But on the other side, I think there is hope here, that rather than use these signs as predictors of the end that is to come, maybe we need to see the opportunity before us in the meantime, an opportunity to be alert, to be alert to the words of comfort that Jesus starts with, do not be terrified, to be alert to the words of compassion at the end that not a single hair of your head will disappear as a result of these things. The opportunity to testify. Because that's what stands at the center of this all, an opportunity. Because you see, people of God, we are called in God's love to seize that opportunity. And in spite of the signs around us, in spite of the experiences we have in our daily lives, we are invited to stand up and to testify to God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy in a world that needs those things. So the question becomes, how? How could we possibly stand up? How could we possibly testify in spite of these world events? in spite of the reality of natural disasters and a changing climate? Well, I think we testify by becoming stewards of creation, right? Maybe it starts in your own homes, trying out recycling. Maybe it's composting. Maybe it's these toothpaste tabs my wife started buying. Or that reusable coffee filter I, I talked about a few weeks ago that I just hate so much because i got to wash it every day, which, by the way, my wife has now gotten rid of, but that's besides the point, right? <laughs> See, we can do those things at home, or maybe it's at church. Maybe it's using our treasure to support efforts like, like the Lutheran disaster relief, 
right? To, to make sure that our resources go to places that need relief in spite of these natural disasters. Or maybe it's not money. Maybe it's our very hands at work. It is no coincidence that the National Youth Gathering, the ELCA, on multiple occasions has been located in areas following major disasters, whether it be after Hurricane Katrina going to New Orleans or Hurricane Harvey finding ourselves in Texas, unleashing the collective efforts of 30-plus thousand high school students in these places to help to rebuild, to reclaim, and share God's love with the people who need it more than ever. How do we respond in the face of insurrection? We get up and we vote like we did this last Tuesday. It doesn't matter who you voted for. What matters is that we show confidence in what we've been built upon. What matters is that we lift up leaders who share our interests, that we lift up leaders who seek justice and peace for all people. In the light of a plague, what did we do? We stayed home in our underwear for a long time. I mean, I don't want to call myself a hero, but it sure feels like I was one. Right? I mean, that's what we did. We, we actually stayed home. We stayed away from the beautifully adorned places that mean so much to us as a means of keeping ourselves and those around us safe. We learned new and creative ways to worship. We created community in new, new ways as well. Indeed, we redefined what it meant to be essential. We redefined what it meant to be a hero. Now, all of a sudden, the workers at our grocery stores, our, our bus drivers, our, our school teachers, our nurses and doctors and medical professionals, we're heroes in our eyes. That is a remarkable response. That is a remarkable new way of looking at things. And now that we're getting back into it, how do we respond in face of the chatter that I hear all the time as pastor? Oh, Oh no, Western Christianity is dying. It's dying. We're going to see it. It's just a matter of time. I doom scroll through articles about the death of the church constantly. So how do you respond in face of those articles? We gather. We give. We, we testify to our faith. While people look at what's going on around us as a sign that the church is dying, all I see are signs of opportunity opportunity and renewal. We, in the last few years, have figured out new ways to reach people beyond our own building. As I've mentioned before, I've become a televangelist. And what a joy it is to know that we can reach people who aren't even able to physically gather in this space, something we would have never otherwise imagined doing. We have a deeper appreciation for the power of community in our lives. As we were pulled apart from each other, we now value that opportunity to come together, whether it be in worship or, or in fellowship or eating pie next Sunday night, whatever. It doesn't matter. What matters is that we have a renewed value of community. And this community is beginning to find new ways to extend the welcome. Last week, in the last two weeks, we've welcomed eight communicants to the table to share in God's grace and love. Today, we baptize a new member within the community. Or maybe it's welcoming new neighbors to share in our work, 
in Christ's love here in this place. Today, we are offered the same opportunity that Jesus was offering his disciples some 2,000 years ago, an opportunity to testify to God's love and grace and generosity to a world in need of all of those things. And rather than being busybodies, doom-scrolling until the end arrives, we need to get our bodies busy, busy doing the work that we've been called to do, loving as God loves and giving as God gives. And if we do that work, we will see what a difference it makes. A sign of it is all around us. As I look around this room, as I see the people gathered here today, I see what good can come of loving and caring, of generosity and sharing. This, dear people, is what it looks like to respond to the face of the harsh realities of this world. We respond not waiting for the end, but an opportunity for a new beginning, a new beginning of God's people, a new beginning in God's love, a new beginning by spreading God's grace to a world that needs it all. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.